Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, let's begin. Lord God, you cause all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we can embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so I, there's lots of places here, and I just I, I included the map for you. I suppose I could have made it smaller. <laughs> um, but, but now you can... Do you, do you, Didn't want to waste your colored ink at home. <laughs> do, you have, do you have one of these? Does it have a map? It has a map on it. Okay, you, okay great. Somebody else? Anybody else need a map? For those of us who are getting up here, thank you for making it so big. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just we see the journey here of this guy. That, that's quite the journey, isn't it? Um, oh, you know, the journey. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you know, the, the big, you know, it, he, from Beersheba... Um, and you can see that's a couple hundred, you know, somebody who has a protractor can figure out how many hundreds of kilometers that is. Um, so that, that's quite the ways. So, so if you're wondering where Haran is in, 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 uh, in relation to Beersheba, that, <laughs> that's, that's where it is. Probably somewhere in modern day, what is that, Iran? Iraq? Somewhere up in there? Anyway, all right. So, our first question to start us off here is, let's make a list of the top five qualities that our society prioritizes for deciding who makes good marriage material. Society? Yes. Is there, is there a top five? Is there a top five? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Love is the poorest reason to get married. That's right. <laughs> right. So, so um, Hollywood definitely pushes get married for love, don't they? Um, that's that seems to be in the movies. Uh, you know. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And and that's kind of romantic, ushy gushy feelings, right? Um, what other reasons do people have today for getting married or for? What, what do you think would, they would say make good marriage material? Good jobs, finance. Yeah, finance, absolutely. Good jobs, a good job, some money, a car, you know. What, are, what others? Good looks. Perhaps, yeah. In yep. today's society. Yeah. What other things? Look, we, so we have, we have ro- romantic love. Um, romantic feelings, we'll say. Romantic feelings, we've got um, finances, that's, that's two. Um, we've got looks. There's a baby on the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's usually not a good... I actually, I, I'll, I'll, con- I'll contest that. Uh, people end up staying married, uh, living together first for several years with a kid before they get married. So that's not a... 
So that's that's not no longer a good. Yeah, it's hard to have shotgun weddings when Trudeau takes them all away from us. That's right. Good character, maybe, yeah. Um, I would say compatibility. I think that I think that's the big, probably the big one that people would say. Well, I need to live with this person for so many years to see if I'm compatible with them, right? Um, that's four. What other things do people kind of cite for good marriage material? Religion. Religion, yeah, and probably holds. We can take that very broadly, and 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 beliefs, right? Uh, people are going to marry within their belief systems, whether they be political beliefs. Does that compatibility? A little bit, sure. Compatibility, compatibility. I would think is more like, can, do we get along? Yeah. Can we? Yeah. <laughs> You'd hope so. <laughs> How about for prestige? Yeah, some people marry for prestige, absolutely. Meet my trophy wife. Yeah, that's right. Or trophy. <laughs> or, or trophy husband. Um, which of any of those are biblical? <laughs> Funny how that worked. Um, um, yeah, so it's... The, 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 the things that society prizes for marriage are not always necessary. A good marriage partner um, are not always what the Bible says a good marriage partner is. All right, well, let's read the first. Uh, that kind of reflection in our head. Let's look at the first question here. Um, right. Uh, 24, uh, 1 through 9. Maybe I'll give us a start and you guys can pick up. Uh, Ritz. All right. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom you, uh, I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under, Ab uh, under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. All right. So the first question here 
is based on the text and what you've learned so far, why do you think it was so important for Abraham that Isaac didn't marry a Canaanite? What's wrong with Canaanite women? Or Canaanites in general? They worshipped foreign gods. They worshipped foreign gods. And, and what kind of, um, from what you know of Canaanite religion, what kind of practices did their, um, did their, did their religion have? Child sacrificing, absolutely. Um, that, that's, that's certainly one of them. I believe there was also sexual mm-hmm. immorality in yep. their That's right. They had cult prostitutes. Um, um, so, um, so there's, um, there, and there's other practices. Uh, uh, I think another one would be divination uh, and uh, that kind of thing. So there's detestable practices, things that God does not want. Um, And what's what's the problem with that? Why can't, why, what does it matter that if if Isaac's wife is is a different religion? Why does that matter? He could be tempted to go that way. He could be tempted to go that way. And and what about the the children after that? Well, I was going to say if Christ is going to be descended from this bloodline, you don't want pagan bloodline. Sure, there's a there's a um, there's lots of that in there, though. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's some of the um, God's promise to Abraham there and to his people. Sure, absolutely. Um, what would happen to the kids in such a mixed marriage? They wouldn't know which way to go either. Yeah, yeah. So they they would probably end up with the with. With 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 the mother or the pagan the pagan cult. Okay, so what might that imply for us today? What does that imply for us today? We should be marrying Christians. Yeah, we should be marrying Christians. In fact. Uh, that's that's a that's a a direct application of this text, um, but it, it's also explicitly stated that way in the New Testament. Um, um, one of Paul's um, in when Paul is actually it might be, I think it might be here, Second Corinthians. Let's just take a look at this briefly. Second Corinthians chapter six. I think this is what I want. Yep. You know it works. It's not quite what I what I was thinking, um, but um, but it'll. 14. Yeah, verse four. Yeah. Um, somebody want to read verses fourteen through sixteen, please. Do not be what partnership has righteous and iniquity? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has temple of God with idols? 
For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live among them and move among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Right. So um, there's that in verse 14. Um, uh, literally, do not be unequally yoked. Right. Think of uh, that piece of wood that has two two cows or two oxen pulling the cart. Um, if they're not the same size, it, it, it or if they're not the same thing, it, it doesn't work. You need the two of the same, and that's what it's. Uh, do not be unequally yoked. Additionally, um, um, Paul will say elsewhere about a, a widow who wants to get married. He'll say um, she's free to marry, but only. In the Lord, right? So um, I think that uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament, when you take um, the combined force of what they say, uh, it, 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 um, we would say that marrying outside the faith is a pretty grave sin. Um, it's a serious matter um, for the exact same reasons that um, Abraham tells Isaac, tells his servant not to have Isaac. Uh, marry a Canaanite. The exact same reasons apply um, um, with a mixed marriage. Now, I don't think that I don't think that that I personally don't think that that applies if, if a Lutheran is marrying like a Roman Catholic um, or or a Baptist or something um, because tech, they still have faith and they're still baptized. So it's still you know there's differences of opinion and that's going to be hard, right? But you're still marrying. Someone who trusts God and, and God. yeah, yeah, the triune God and, and is committed to, to worshiping him and, and, and whatnot. Um, but it wouldn't would say uh, a Christian and an unbeliever that that would that would be a lot more difficult, infinitely more difficult than a Christian, than a Lutheran and a Roman Catholic. Um, Lutherans and Roman Catholics, when they get married, we have a few in our congregation. They work it out. We'll go to your church one Sunday, my church one Sunday. We'll, we'll bring the kids to both, and th- they can decide which one they want to join when they get older. But we'll teach them that, the, you know, yada, yada. And, and, and so far, you know, from what I've seen of those marriages in our church, they're not, there's, there's fine. Uh, we have maybe even have some here like that. Um, so that's uh, an important point to note. Um, there's, there's so much cultural stuff in these chapters. If you have a question, I have a, they gave me four, normally it's two pages. This time it was four pages of background info on these, for culture on, on this. There's so much going on here that we might not, um, um, go, go. So if there's something that particularly strikes your, strikes you as odd, I will, um, I've got um, some background info here, okay? Um, all right. Was it normal then for Abraham to <coughs> seek a wife for Isaac, or was he just impatient that Isaac is now 40 years old and hasn't no. done anything yet? Um, I, I, um, no, marriages are, are generally arranged um, in, in this time. At 40 time. years old? At 40 years old, well, that, you know. I, I was always under the assumption they were getting married as kids. Yeah, it's good. How old his parents were? Yeah, that's yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he was a teenager. Yeah. So they must, they must, uh, they must be uh, slow bloomers or late bloomers. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But marrying from, um, by the way, marrying within your own family or tribe is called endogamy. E-N-D-O-G-A-M-Y. Endogamy. Um, it could be, um, um, yeah, so, so technically Christians practice endogamy. We marry within the Christian church. That's, um, all right. Um, and the whole putting your hand under his thigh is just strange. So we'll just move on with that. <laughs> That's right. We would do a handshake, yeah. You are letting yourself most vulnerable to yep. somebody. Yeah. Hand here, your crotch. I mean, that's. <laughs> that's yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Um. Absolutely. My commentary would make everybody blush, so we're not going to read it. The background. It's it, it's it's but it has to, absolutely hundred percent has to do with fertility. Um. That's hundred percent what it's dealing with here. I'm sure it's PG. <laughs> <laughs> um. Turn off your phone. That's, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, um, yeah. The servant ties his obedience uh, to the acquisition of a wife for Isaac um, uh, based on <clears throat> perpetuating Abraham's uh, seed. Um, so that's why it, it's, it's tied to Abraham as, as the patriarch and, and his fertility and the carrying on of his, of his family line and, and all bunch of, all bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. So let's, um, I mean, the Hebrews are very literal in the way they speak. Um, they're not Victorian, like, 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 like we tend to be, um, uh, they're very literal in, in the way they speak. So if you read the Old Testament for a while and it sounds strange to your ears, it probably means the way it sounds literally. Um, Genesis 24, 10 to 28. Someone you want to read that? Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of the evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, grant me success today. I pray thee, and I show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the maiden to whom I shall say, Pray, let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom thou hast appointed to serve Isaac. By this time I shall know that thou hast shown steadfast love to my master. Yes, 28. Before he had done speaking, behold, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Malchah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar upon her shoulder. The maiden was, was very fair and looked to look upon, a whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Pray, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw for your camels also, 
until they had done until they had done drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all his his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord would have her a prosperous journey or not. When the camels had done drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a weighing a half shekel <coughs> for her arms weighing ten gold shekels, and said, Tell me whose daughter you are. <clears throat> Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge in? She said to him, I am the daughter of the pool, the son of Malta, whom she bore to Nabor. She added, We have gold straw and Provender. Provender enough, and room to lodge in. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards any master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinship. Then the maiden ran and told her mother's household about these things. Awesome. Okay. So before we get to the question, there is a, um, I want to give uh, a little bit of discussion here about the camels. Okay, so we have a big problem here, and that is scholars, historians often will say that camels were not domesticated until 1200 B.C. Um. And they say, see, this is supposed to take place in somewhere around 2000 BC. And this is an anachronism. They're making up this story after, after camels have been domesticated. That's, that's going to be the argument that, the, uh, that you sometimes find that the Bible's not truthful. Um, however, we do have um, um, evidence that camels were used as beasts of burden in Arabia, dating back to the third millennium. So the camels at this point were not ridden. They didn't ride the camels. He loaded them at this point. The domestication of camels is, is staggered. So they don't start riding them until the 1200s. But they used them to pack all stuff on it and drag. They hadn't invented the saddle yet, essentially. So um, uh, they were extremely valuable animals carrying, capable of carrying heavy loads through hostile desert terrains. So um, that changes maybe the picture of this. So he doesn't, he doesn't travel all that way riding a camel. He travels all that way pulling a camel, walking by pulling a camel by the harness. So he, uh, you know, this is a very long journey. Um, <laughs> So that's, um, you can see, um, that's why um, he sticks close towards rivers, doesn't he? Um, that's right. No. <laughs> so, you know, he sticks pretty close to rivers and it looks like he's following, uh, uh, um, it looks like he's following trade routes, Right. He's, he's following normal trade routes and they'd probably be, um, you know, en route, uh, you know, en route um, uh, oasis is along the way, right? Uh, with little Tim Hortons there for, for his, for him. Okay, so just, I wanted to 
to, to talk about that because um, you might hear somebody say that as a proof that the Old Testament's just all made up. But if you do a little bit of digging, um, it, it actually shows you that it, it's a little more complicated than that. Pardon? No. All right. So what do we specifically learn from the servant about the importance and priority of prayer when it comes to relationships? Prayed that God would guide him to the right person. That's, that's right. He prayed that God would guide him to the right person. Um, notice... Um, 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 what does it say here? Um, yeah, so when he, when he arrives, what does he ask when he, what does he mention when he arrives? So, um, yeah. Well, and he also notices she's a very good looking woman and he mm-hmm. prays that she be the one. Right. Um, notice though. It, verse 14. Yeah. Now notice the end of verse 14. He says this twice. He says it once in verse 12 and the other in verse 11. And I, and, and I think this is important. It's a it's a it's two words in English. It's one word in Hebrew. That's the one. That's the one. Steadfast love. Very difficult word to translate. Hesed. Uh, sometimes translated mercy instead of steadfast love. It means um, it means uh, something like covenant loyalty, or uh, we could paraphrase the idea of, of as. Basically, keeping your end of the bargain, keeping living up to your word. Um, so the idea is, God has done what for Abraham? What is, what is the servant bringing back to God's remembrance? He's reminding God of the promises that He has made to Abraham. He's reminding of the relationship that God has with Abraham, right? Uh, and he's calling on God to be loyal to his, uh, to show steadfast love or um, sometimes translated loyal love or covenant love or, or this idea that God would show that he's um, doing the right thing according to his promises to Abraham. He's asking God to fulfill his promises. Yeah, now, I'm, I'm reading behind or between the lines a little bit here. He says, by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Mm-hmm. And this is also saying, by this, he'll mm-hmm. know that he has the right girl. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and what's, the, um, what's the mechanism that he uses? To, to, to test the Lord to see if the, so that the Lord will, he knows if the Lord's talking to him or not. What's the, uh, what's the, the. It's a scenario that he wants to have. Right. And, and so what, what's, what makes the scenario something that where the Lord would have to 
intervene? It's fairly complex. <laughs> so, but what is it? Well, it's, uh, she has to give him water, has to water the camels, right, and has to house them, mm. and it has to be the the person, the virgin. Yeah. The, the virgin from the right family. Yes. Now, why is watering the camels a big deal? Would you want to water somebody else's damn camels? <laughs> How much water do camels drink? A lot of Twenty-five gallons. As a kid, the story, I always was amazed. Wow, she was a hard worker. Yeah. So, um, the water jar. So the water jar, without knowing, without knowing how far those camels have walked, when she, when he asks somebody to to get fetch water for my camels, and he's got enough camels that she would be there for eight, up to eight hours if those camels were bone dry. Yeah. So that's a lot, because her jars only. Her, her jars only carry about three to five gallons at a, at a time. So, so you know. Yeah, she so, probably have to dip the well a half dozen times to fill the jar once. That's right. So it's a lot of physical work. She, so, so this is like above and beyond the call of duty. If somebody asks you for a while, you know, you might, you might expect any other, anybody else to respond, go, I'm not watering your camels. Go water your own camels, lazy bones, right? So, so it, you know, by the way, this kind of, this kind of mechanism where you expect, you, you put the Lord to a scenario and you say yes or no, this is common in the Old Testament. It becomes uh, part of Israel in the, um, it's like the Urim and the Thummim. I think it's like a, a pair of dice or some such thing. And um, they give God yes or no answers, uh, questions, and, God, and, and, they, and they respond that way. Now we... Uh, so we we don't expect. Well, let me let me actually put this differently. Can we expect God to 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 answer, uh, work this way today? Can we expect Him to? We can't expect Him to, but He does from time to time. Sometimes He might. Why does He do it now? What's different between then and now? Sure. Right, but but do we expect God to to step in in his and 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 give us a sign like that? Well, back then he was trying to fulfill the covenant. Right. And now the covenant has been fulfilled. Right. See, see, there is there is a there is a big difference. We're not saying that God doesn't act this way. It's that they don't have anything else to go on. We have a whole big book to go on, right? So and God is not promised to act in this kind of way, you know. Oh, oh Lord, if you want me to go to church today, you know, make the sun shine through my window at, you know, and oh, it was cloudy today. I guess I'm not going to go to church. You know, we God doesn't act. We can't expect God to act that way. He might act that way. Can he act that way? Yes. Absolutely. But do we expect it? No. But what can we do? To follow this guy's example, pray. we can pray. So, what does this lesson tell you about the importance of of prayer? Um, <laughs> right, right. Um, the other thing I, I read in here is that he's working with God to make this mission happen. That's right. Without you, God, this isn't going to happen. I'm here. I'm your vessel. Mm. Doing the things I think I should be doing, but that's what we're going to make this happen. Right? Mm-hmm. 
know, please let somebody show up. Right. And, you know, but he's, he's there, he's sort of looking around. Where is this person? And what, how does he respond in verse 27? Think of this weekend. He's thankful. See that? He, 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 and, and notice what does thankfulness and gratefulness, what is it tied with? Worship. Yeah, right. Um, and he ties this result, notice he ties it to God's promise. Who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness to my master. Right? So he's tying this whole scenario to God's keeping his promise. All right. Let's uh, go on. Um, do we have a volunteer to read 49 to 20, uh, 29 to 49? I can do it if no one... I'll do it. No ready volunteers, I can do it. That's fine. All right. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and uh, unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the water of the men uh, who were with him and, 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 and the feet of the men who were with him. Uh, the food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have what I have to say. He said, speak on. He said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, uh, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from the clan of my, uh, and from, from my clan and from my father's house. Um, then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder and she went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down 
her, her jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I will give you the camels and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord the God of my master Abraham, who had led me the, by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show the steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, if, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. All right. So compare the service, um, the servant's retelling of the story to the author's telling of the story. Are there differences and are they significant? First difference I noticed was the mention of an angel here. No mention of the angel in the previous scripture, was there? There was. Abraham said, Abraham did mention that God would send his angel. Yep, that, 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 part, that part was there. Yep. He left out the part of a not taken. Isaac back to them. Yeah. That he had to bring her. her. Yep. He didn't say anything about Abraham's command not to take Isaac back. Right. It'd be a little insulting. Yep, the ins- yep, the exclusion of the indru- instruction to not take Isaac. That's that that is ex- excluded. Yep. Um how does he notice how does he refer to Rebecca in the two different... How does the author refer to Rebecca and how does he refer to Rebecca? The author refers to a young woman or he refers to her as a virgin. Yep. Yep. So he's... So what is he doing? Why is he... Tightening the criteria? T- tightening the criteria, yep. Um, what what's he trying to do? He's trying to avoid anything that will unduly offend the uh, Rebecca's family, so that they will have no reason to say no to his request. So he's being respectful. He's calling her a young woman. He's leaving out things that might be offensive. And, um, and, and then his, his, uh, his prayers emphasize that he thinks this is God's will, right? Um, so, um, yeah, so that, that, I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's what the, uh, the question is, is getting at here. Um, Um, so how might this, so, so far, let, let's, let's pause that there. How might this story, um, how, thank you. How might this story, um, relate to Christ? Where's, where's, where's Jesus in this story?
Jesus was born from a virgin. Right. So yep. Abraham's seed is born from a virgin. Mm-hmm. Will be born from a virgin. Yep, there's the virgin aspect, sure. So, what is the church called in the New Testament? Right. Think about think about the context here we're talking about. What is the church called? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. That's not quite. There's something of Christ. It starts with uh, the, bride. the bride of Christ. Okay. So Isaac is the Christ figure, and the church is the bride of Christ, and just like. Um, just like um, Abraham sends a servant to get the, a bride for his son. So God the Father has sent uh, Christians, pastors, the church to get the bride to bring us to Jesus. And one day Jesus will return and bring us to himself and there will be a marriage feast. Um, so I'll, I'll read what the, the thing here says. God, provide, God provided a bride for Isaac and so supported his promise to Abraham. Christ is our bridegroom who will return one day for his bride, his church, and take us to his eternal dwelling. I think that's a, a good point. All right. Um, I don't think we have time to read 50 to 67. Um, we can summarize it, though. Um, uh, um, um, uh, by, by looking at our question. So skim through 50 to 67, and, and, and the question here is, what might Rebecca's response and attitude show about her faith? And how does that an example for us? She doesn't question it. No. Does, does Rebecca know of the promise to Abraham? I mean, it's her great uncle, right? And he's been gone. She probably doesn't probably doesn't. Then verse 66 seems to say that she does. Mm. Or if they do, they do. Our sister may become thousands of ten thousands. Mm. So that kind of tweaked to me that maybe they do know the promise. Yeah, maybe there's been some communication. Yeah. Maybe he's written some they letters. This yeah, sure. And Rebecca says, hey, I'm yep. part of that. <laughs> yeah, sure. What's odd about this? Do you know something odd about something that happens here that doesn't that wouldn't have happened back then? They ask her. They ask her. Notice that? They ask her. That wouldn't have been common. But because this is such a big life-changing thing, she's being drugged across half the known world at the time, right? <laughs> um, they asked her, are you, are you okay with this? And, that, and that's odd for this time, but it, it shows that there was care and consideration for, for her feelings and thoughts. Uh, so Rebecca recognizes that God's hand has arranged her marriage, and she willingly leaves, uh, willingly left everything to be part of God's plan of salvation. Uh, and how is that an example for us? Well, as God's people, uh, especially in our matters of marriage and relationships, it, it requires us to trust in God's promises, even if we don't always have all the answers. Um, so there's. Um, 
Um, yeah, okay. Interesting observation here after your first uh, description of the gradual domestication of the camels. Yes. Here she gets off the back of one. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so, you know, um, maybe she's, um, one of the saddlebags. So, <laughs> proto jockey. That's right. Yeah, it, there's some, there's some complications here with the camels. That's, that's all. We have to, um, final reflection. Describe in your own words how, this, this narrative of Isaac and Rebecca reveals God's desire for human relationships. How does it show God's, God's desire and plan for human relationships? That each should complement another. Sure. It should be based on faith. Mm-hmm. Well, God, I, we could summarize it maybe like the God's desire is that we have, that we marry, um, and, and that we have faith-filled spouses uh, who trust in the Lord, uh, and um, because we are, we can be tempted by, you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil um, to abandon uh, those priorities uh, in many, in many different ways. Uh, we see, you know, the Bible's example to cling to God and to cling to our, 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 the spouse whom God has given us uh, um, and to, to what his word says. Uh, and um, knowing that one day, just like Isaac or Rebecca uh, was, was sent for, <laughs> uh, one day we will be sent for and we will go home to live uh, with Christ in his kingdom. All right, well, let's pray and we'll go up to, to service. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for fa the families you have placed uh, us in. We thank you for um, our spouses, our parents, our children, all the, the things that you have provided for us. We ask you, O oh Lord, to help us to be um, as faith-filled as Rebecca uh, to, to, and the servant to trust in your promises and to lean on your guidance and your, uh, that we find in your word uh, all the days of our lives. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at... Rev Fenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.